0: Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Welcome to Midweek in the Word. We're thrilled that you're joining us for another week as we seek to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word. As always, I'm Pastor Brad, and I'm joined by Pastor Tom on this afternoon. Getting colder, getting colder outside. It is chilling down here. Excellent. Well, this week, I want to start off on a bit more of a, a lighter or maybe a, a personal note uh, with you, Tom, um, by asking, who is your favorite character in all of Scripture and why?
1: Well, there, there's a few uh, heroes of the faith in there, but uh, I would say my favorite is Barnabas. And I think, I think he's my favorite because that's not really his name, is Joseph, but they called him Barnabas because he was the son of encouragement. And uh, wherever he shows up, he has just uh, got some ministry that builds other people up. So I've always said I wanted I wanted my grandchildren and children to put on my tombstone that he was a Barnabas. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of my hero of the faith.
0: Mm-hmm. And a cool reminder, which kind of leads into what we're going to be talking about this week, uh, because a couple of weeks ago, we discussed the genre of biblical narrative, and we talked primarily about the plot of stories. Um, This week, I want to come back and talk more about the theme of characters and their development as characters, and you're kind of going the direction I want to go, talking about how does Barnabas get this name, and why is he named this in Scripture, which tips our hand a bit to the direction we're going to go, talking about characters uh, this week. But as always, before we get to that, let's move back to Route 66. Let's talk about snapshots Mm -hmm. through Genesis through Revelation in your sermon series, this week we had Genesis 27 through 35 and the story of Jacob. So, what did we learn about God through this this study and through uh, your sermon?
1: Well, there's a, I think there's some repeated themes. Not only are we adding new insight to the names that he is identified by, but uh, clearly we see his sovereignty in the movements of man and even. Even the evil intentions of individuals, God overrules those and accomplishes. Hmm. I think we see his faithfulness, uh, even though his servants are faithless, uh, he is continually faithful. But I think probably the bigger one right now is just that he is purposeful, he has laid out a plan. And he continues to work to accomplish that, and you see it in both the circumstances and the locations as well as the people involved.
0: Mm. Which is true, and particularly in Jacob, and we'll get to more of this later, but more often than not, in spite of the actions of the biblical characters rather than mostly through the actions of the biblical characters. Yeah, great reminder of that, um, learning about God's sovereignty, his purposes. Um, How about us? How about mankind? What did we learn about man through the story of Jacob?
1: Well, I think that Jacob clearly reflects what God said all the way back in 6, that uh, he looked at the heart of man, and it was intent on doing evil continually. And about Jacob uh, is that repeated theme of the deceitful heart. Mm. Uh, just spent the morning going back through Genesis and the whole narrative and the number of people that acted deceptively. And so we see that, and and, uh, it took me to John 8 where Jesus gets in an argument with the religious leaders, and he said, you know, you guys are of your father, the devil. He was a liar from the beginning, yeah. and you are all liars. So you see that that it is our heart bent to protect ourselves, to manipulate, mm. and deception and deceitfulness, uh, stubbornness. Uh, even, even when we come face-to-face with the reality of what we are, we still try to press forward. Mm. So just the hardness of human heart.
0: It's pretty close to home. I, at least for myself, <laughs> Sorry, I know no, I can say it personal. does. I don't know about everybody else. But uh, yeah, that reality that yeah. the, the heart is deceitful above all things, yeah. right? And we deceive ourselves, and then we obviously deceive yeah. others. Uh, even have the gall to lie to God, which is strange in light of the fact that God knows everything. <laughs> over,
1: over and over, the, the people that lie to God, are, yeah, that, that is, uh, that's probably when one of the themes that's run through Genesis, it's kind of shocking. Because yeah. uh, so when he's revealed himself with such clarity and power, and they would still have the audacity to think they could pull one over on God, mm-hmm. that's the mm-hmm. deceitfulness of the heart.
0: Yeah, and that is too often us as well, no doubt. Um, and lastly, but of course not least, how did the story of Jacob point us to Christ? Well, uh,
1: there are more and more pictures uh, showing up. I, I think, I think the one we didn't have time for Sunday, but I think there's a picture of of the groom coming to seek the bride, Mm. and uh, how Jacob, the rich kid, I mean, he is now heir to a massive fortune, two-thirds of which is going to be his because he got his brother's birthright, and yet when he escapes 50 miles later, he's got the staff in his hand and a borrowed rock for a pillow, and yet he goes there from riches to poverty seeking a bride and then when he brings his bride back, he is a wealthy man. So I think you see that Jesus coming as the bridegroom to seek a bride and then mm. with the promise of taking her back. And then the other one that's really clear is in John one fifty one when he says to Nathaniel that you're going to see the heavens opened and you'll see the angels ascending and descending and then uh, we've had in chapter 32, uh, Jacob or chapter 28, actually, Jacob having the vision of the ladder from heaven extending to the earth, planted right by the deceitful one, mm. and the heavens opened that God has provided an access, a, a stairway to heaven. Um, and Jesus said, that's me. I am that stairway to heaven. I'm that gateway into God's presence.
0: Yeah, these, these incredible realities that are fully fulfilled in Christ as the true Israel, mm-hmm. as scripture would put it. Um, taking over for Jacob, who was named Israel uh, later on. The
1: the, the unnerving part about Jacob's change of name was that from chapter 33 to 50, uh, he is called Jacob 45 times and Israel 23 times. So he's still trying to be a little Jacob and a lot of Israel and it's just not quite sanctified. so <laughs> mm,
0: No doubt. Yeah. We'll explore that idea of, of typology, hopefully in a later podcast at some yeah. point, and talk about a little bit the right way to approach that. Um, but for the time being, let's move back a little bit more to the biblical character's idea and this theme that we're working through. Uh, Like I said, when we discussed narrative, you talked a lot about the plot. You talked about how there was a a setting and then there was a conflict. You know, There was this rising tension that ultimately resulted in a decision point for the character of the story, the climax of the story, and then it's resolved. And that's where we find the point of the biblical narrative. Um, Could you give us some insight um, into how the The role of the character plays into that because a couple of weeks ago you mentioned that we can't just moralize the actions yeah. of the biblical characters. So, so how do we understand the role of the biblical character in Scripture then?
1: Well, I I, th- I think God masterfully uh, shows us that He created us for relationship, and that He is continually pursuing man for that reason. So. He, he uses the characters in the narrative uh, to demonstrate uh, what his endeavor is in, in seeking man. But he doesn't always expose the fullness of their character at the beginning. Now, mm. in the Old Testament, there's, a, there's an association between a name and the individual, often it's either a prophetic statement or a description of what they are. But the character has to be observed over a period of time before you really kind of understand who he is. But in the background of the development of the character is the unseen hand of God Mm -hmm. working out the circumstances. The other thing that's difficult about the character is that they're never presented in isolation. But they are always presented in relationship to other individuals and constantly changing circumstances. So you begin to understand the character more and more by their response to others and to surprise or you know, promising circumstances. So um, it, it's, it's the long read of how did they start, how are they changed, and how do they end And then you begin to see that that's God's purpose is to meet us where we are and to transform us into the people he wants us to be. And so you you always have to look both at the Old Testament account here in particular and then look at the New Testament and God's assessment of them in retrospect.
0: Which is, is part of the reason narrative so helpful to us. You know, we tell stories to kids because they remember stories. Our, our brains are almost hardwired to remember stories. And so scripture says it's going to use narrative. It's going to tell us a story. And we identify with that because yeah. of the twists and turns of our life. There's no straight trajectory a lot of times. Yeah. There's, there's good decisions. There's bad decisions. It helps us identify with the characters in a way that's really helpful, I think, as we explore scripture. Uh, but, but in relationship to that, then, why is it? Why is it not appropriate to simply reduce characters like we maybe want to to good guys and bad guys, you know, good and evil, that idea?
1: Well, because the message is not uh, one of of, – what's the word I'm looking for – of Mm self-reformation, but it is the message of the required transformation – So I think we discover the character by working hard at slipping our feet into their sandals Mm. and walking where they walked to try to remember what it was like. It's a different time, place, geography, history, everything. But with the understanding that God was not asking them or working through them for them to change themselves. Yeah. And moralism says, well, if I just behave as they do or I respond as they do, apart from the, uh, the, the power of God at work in that life, uh, then we come up with a bunch of principles even non-Christians could apply if they are just self-disciplined. And so the scriptures are about changing man from the inside out. That that evil heart needs to be replaced by a new heart. And so God is showing us through character development how he does that.
0: Yeah, not the simple 10 easy steps from Jacob's life to yeah. be a better person, yeah. uh, but more one overarching principle of what God was doing in the heart yeah. of Jacob. I, I like the way you put it in your in your sermon on Sunday when you said... When you wrestle with God and you lose, you awaken to, to discover that you're weak in your weakness, you have actually won. Yeah. And that really is what you're speaking to as far as the yeah. defining aspect of Jacob being winning in weakness.
1: Yeah, I, I think the thing that hit me about that was that I always talk about Jacob wrestling with God. But when you read the story, it was really God wrestling with Jacob to take mm. something from him and what he was going to take from him was his self-sufficiency and his pride. He could only really bless Jacob when Jacob was a broken man. And mm-hmm. like I said, just that knocking his hip out of joint, He he's all he could do is lean on God and hang on. And then that suddenly found out that's where the blessing was all mm-hmm. along.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which in a lot of ways, I mean, like I said, it's not that there isn't a good or a bad story going on in scripture. It's just that the good guy is God, and we're on the other army, yeah. you know, and yeah. most of the narrative takes place not saying Jacob was a good guy or Jacob was somebody to be emulated, but Jacob yeah. was rebelling against God like all of us do, and God spoke into, worked in his life um, to bring him out of darkness yeah. and into light. Well, and I, I think, you know, putting, going back several weeks to
1: the coma thing, mm. I mean, it starts with those observations and meaning, but it, there is an application for us, but that application has to grow directly out of the intended story. So there are warnings in there about, you know, if you favor one child over the other, you're going to divide your home and all that. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that it was not a narrative on family management and leadership. Mm -hmm. It was a narrative on how God seeks out the wayward and draws him to himself.
0: Amen. Amen. So, so, how do you then interpret the individual actions of these characters that we run into in Scripture, given that the Bible rarely gives us all their internal thoughts or, or moral assessments um, of the situation?
1: Well, interpreting the character is, again, is watching how God reveals their responses and their behaviors along the way. We're working on Joseph for this next mm-hmm. week. And it's just, it's just rich with uh, all of these interplaying relationships and endeavors. So it's really, again, stepping back and watching the molding and the shaping of the individual and how they responded early on. Do they continue to do that as God works with them? And I think the other was that uh, t- we read the scripture and they're so compacted that we forget about the time lapses. Hmm. And so, you know, in, J- in the Jacob story from the time that he agrees to work for seven years to marry the bride of his choice, till he takes that bride and others back home's 20 years. So you step back and you see, what character change do I see hmm. over a 20-year period of time rather than in two chapters of textual reading? How do I see God working in this individual? So.
0: Hmm. So let's, let's stay on that theme. Let's get practical about the story and life of Jacob. How do you think Genesis in particular as a book wants us to view Jacob and why? I, I don't think that. I don't think that the
1: original storyteller, again, the Holy Spirit has mm-hmm. uh, sovereignty, but I don't think the original storyteller wanted us to like him very much. Mm. So, you know, I mean, he's just a despicable guy. And, you know, like I said, you wouldn't want to buy a used car from him. I mean, mm-hmm. slick is his skin, as slick as his character. It, I think it wants us to view him honestly from that perspective to say, I really don't like this individual and then as the story unfolds you begin to realize what god can do with the the unlikable if if he begins to work so Does he want us to view Jacob? I think he wants us to view him as a trophy of God's redeeming grace, Hmm. that uh, he's going to change his name to Israel, but more times than not, he's going to default to what he was before, back and forth. And yet, we talk about the sons of Jacob. I mean, someday in glory, there is a new city, and each of the gates has the name of one of the sons of Jacob (laughs) on it. So it wants us to view him, I think. As just a trophy of what God's redeeming grace will accomplish.
0: Hmm. Yeah, which is is kind of a, a good lead in, you know, as we look at the individual components. You know, you're saying take the long view, look at the overall trajectory of someone's life. Um, but how do we assess the individual elements then of Jacob's story? There's there's a lot of mess in here. You know, there is deception of Esau. You know, there's his wrestling with God. There's his multiple wives, you know. And you, you mentioned the 12 sons of Israel. Well, 12 sons of Israel based upon being, you know, having sons with four different women. Yep. You know, these are, yeah. these are, to your point, issues that we wrestle with. Yep. How are we to make sense of that then in the life of Jacob? Well, I think as, as in others it is their behaviors
1: is not a testimony that God approves of such. Mm -hmm. But we're to look at it and say, what do we reveal? So polygamy, you know, is starting to show up, like you said, you know, two wives, two mistresses, 12 sons, one daughter— Uh, oh, well, I guess it's okay to have multiple women in your Mm -hmm. life. Well, no, the the point is that God also, if you study the narrative, shows the division, the chaos, the pain, and the sorrow created by those kind of sinful behaviors. It Mm -hmm. it shows that uh, what goes around comes around. So, you know, Jacob, again, the question is, was it his nature to be a deceiver or was it nurture? Did his mom (laughs) teach him because she was a deceptress, you know? But, all of a sudden, he travels 600 miles, and a guy that doesn't even know him pulls one over on him mm-hmm. and deceives him. And I think that we're we're to look at it from from those perspectives. That that uh, the the character that God is developing is laid out in raw exposure for us, not as a model to be like them. But even if you are like them, God can transform that.
0: Mm. Yeah, so so as a reminder, you know, for our listeners as they're as they're dealing with different characters through scripture, it's their presence in Scripture isn't that we should endorse everything they're doing. It's not that we should condemn everything that they're doing. We must read it through this bigger picture view of the story of their life and see how is God redeeming them or calling yeah. them. How is how is the God of the Word engaging with this person, yeah. and how does that direct the flow of their story more than let's look at these individual elements of their story and say, do I like this guy? Do I not like this guy? Are they good? Are they bad? How do we yeah. approach that kind of idea? Yeah, and I think.
1: I've been the editor for Moses, I just said, you know, let's clean this one up a little bit. (laughs) So you know, by design, the
0: the bad side is there for that purpose. Yeah, Yeah, no doubt. Good reminder. And we hope it's helpful to you as readers because you're going to keep running into <laughs> character after character after character. Because like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, a lot of scripture is narrative. We run into a lot of different characters and how do we approach them? Um, so hopefully this is helpful to you. Um, now, Tom, be- before we wrap up for this week, as-, as we get ready for this coming Sunday, you've picked out Joseph, Genesis 37 through 50. He gets. As much text as Abraham, pretty major character um, in the story of Genesis. What are you looking forward to about Joseph's story on Sunday?
1: Well, the interesting thing about Joseph um, is that there is no evil, no sin, no failure recorded of him, and that is so different than what we have been seeing mm. coming along. Mm-hmm. So. To step back and ask the question, why? Like I said, you know, Jacob and Abraham, Isaac and uh, Rebecca, you know, just go down the list, Laban, everybody, everybody does something wrong. Everybody fails. Uh, We came out of Esau, actually liked Esau at the end of his story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you come to Joseph and you're going, man, everybody would like Joseph and everybody ought to be like Joseph. Why did God write the whole story and not record? He too was a sinner that needed a savior. Mm -hmm. But there's no story of Joseph building an altar and offering an animal in his place. And so the big question is why?
0: Mm. So it's telling us something through the, the lack of detail in Joseph's story. We'll look forward to hearing more about that on Sunday. Uh, what about interpretive questions? Any challenges in the story of Joseph you're wrestling with? Well, the, the interpretive is not as heavy as
1: the, uh, the part when he is confronting his brothers in private— Mm. and starts to manipulate them, and for a moment you're thinking, well, he too is deceptive. Mm. So, you know, is he just getting revenge? And uh, how does he take all of those behaviors and accomplish redemption and repentance through them? So it's, uh, it's still a work in process, but <laughs> you, can, you can just see that there was an ulterior motive, and it wasn't to make his brother's life more miserable. Mm. There was a
0: bigger purpose there. Yeah, that reunification of he with his brothers is such a palatable moment in the story of Joseph that so many of us can resonate with, this idea of conflict in families and how is it resolved and how does forgiveness work? Uh, You know, in Joseph's words at the end of Genesis, talking about God's will versus man's will and how all that is involved in the situation as well. We'll look forward to hearing more about that as well. Lastly, how can we prepare our hearts uh, for Sunday's message? Well, I, I think one of the big themes that holds it
1: together is all the way back in chapter six, God said, my spirit will not abide in man. And suddenly in the end, in these last 13 chapters, I think we get a portrait of what a truly spirit-filled man looks like. Hmm. And so we need to kind of step back and go, "What? what is it when God does place his spirit in someone, and get, that individual gives him control, uh, what would that look like? And then the other is is that it just starts to snowball. The portraits of Christ mm. in the life of Joseph are just amazing. But probably the biggest one you've already alluded to is in the, the same verse, chapter 50, verse 20, you, know, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good to bring about the salvation of the many. And so when we look at the whole thing, what what is God doing in our lives that he might want to use in order to bring about salvation in the life of another? Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be very uh, very strong on application as well as inspiring to see
0: what God can do. And a good example of of what God can do in a life that is wholly submitted to the Spirit, wholly yeah. submitted to what God's will is, um, in spite of the pain that Joseph yeah. experienced, which was pretty impressive And in his life, no yeah, doubt. The,
1: the spoiler alert on that is is when the Pharaoh says, "Where will we find a man in whom is
0: the spirit of God?"
1: More than this, and <laughs> there like, you go. Whoa, there's a tip right there.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Excellent, excellent. Well, we'll be looking forward to Joseph uh, this coming Sunday morning, um, and that's it for this week. That's it for narrative characters. How do I address uh, different biblical characters in the story? Thanks so much for joining us again this week um, for our podcast ministry or. Uh, Midweek in the Word. Uh, Remember, if you're following along with the weekly reading, Genesis 37 and 50 are the two passages we'd encourage you to read in anticipation of Tom's message. Um, And if you're interested in more information on this subject, there's another great Bible project video on their website that we'll link in the podcast notes and we will include on the website that you can watch on biblical characters. Um, And, of course, our biblical interpretation class continues this week, second hour in the Fellowship Hall. Um, If you're interested in some more, more thoughts, more information on this subject, as always, know that we will be praying for you. We're thrilled that you're joining us each week, and we do hope that you join us again next week as we talk about Joseph. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.